in an overcrowded graveyard, the scream will rise. The Ghoulmates presents Not Another Spooky Podcast. Happy Valentine's Day, nerdy ghouls. Okay, okay, I know it's officially over, but can you blame a ghoul for wanting to love her ghouls so hard? (laughs) Anywho, welcome back to Not Another Spooky Podcast, where I'm your ghost hostess, Mandy Spooks, and you, my listeners and community, are the co-host. On this show, we fan ghoul over spooky pop culture and learn from it, too. If you have always loved Halloween, horror, true crime, ghosts, or basically anything spooky, then you have found your spooky oasis. I'm so excited to actually grave dig into a movie with you nerdy ghouls today. It feels like it has been months since we've done a deep and nerdy fan ghoul sesh. So without further ado, today we're grave digging into The Corpse Bride. But first, you know the drill. Let's get into some news and updates. Haunted Housekeeping. It seems I'm going to be making up for skipping Haunted Housekeeping in the last episode on this one. So first things first, I have a new video on my YouTube channel that is all about self-scare. You all know how important self-scare has been to me over the last few months. And it meant a lot to me to be able to share some of what I have learned works for me with you ghouls for Valentine's Day. Because look, I know a lot of us are hopeless romantics. Yes, I'm talking to you, ghoul with the curl. (laughs) But we must start loving ourselves harder, okay? So if you haven't already, I highly recommend checking the video out because you deserve to love yourself, okay? And on that note, I wanted to have a very genuine heart-to-heart with you ghouls. Self-scare is not easy. It is so much easier to always do what you, quotation, need to get done than to put it aside and take care of yourself. And you see, while I love this magical world I have created, I have turned everything I love into work which I am 100% not complaining about because if you don't know this by now, I love you nerdy ghouls so, so much. I love you guys so much that I never have a moment to myself if I'm being honest. My days are filled with working my actual full-time job, logging off, and then creating for you all full-time. And the thing about me is I love doing it all and I love sharing my passions with you guys, but sometimes it becomes really hard to keep them as passions when I make these promises and commitments to you like, when I was like, I'm going to do a weekly podcast. And then I got excited and wanted to do a weekly video. And then I want to start a book club. Trust me, I am fully aware that I'm crazy, but I promise the madness comes from such a good place in my heart. So if I'm being candid with all of you guys, my life is not by any means easy. I travel for work more often than I ever thought I would, which is truly a blessing because I love my job and team so much. Like I wouldn't be doing it a year out if it wasn't something that truly just brought me joy in a way that I never expected. I love my life in Denver. I never imagined I'd get to experience different seasons and capture the magic of like the spookiness and the holidays, just all of it. But I also love my family. And because of life, I just haven't really been able to see them as much over the last couple of years. But that really needs to change. So I have been literally tormenting myself over the last few weeks because as much as I want to do it all and society wants us to believe we can do it all, I am just one person and I can't do it all, at least not all the time. You get me? I hope at least one of you knows how that feels when you want to do so many things and be there for so many people, but you feel like if the world doesn't just stop for one day, you might just implode. 
No, just me? <laughs> well, either way, I hope at the very least you can empathize with this crazy ghoul who has given you her love and soul for the past three years. Now, before you start panicking and wondering what I'm getting at, I'm not canceling anything, but I guess I'm canceling living up to unreasonable expectations that I set on my own self because no one has told me this is what you all expect from me. You all have been beyond supportive with this podcast through the highs and lows. And if I'm being honest, if you're listening right now, it's because you've been one of my most supportive people through my content creating journey. But despite how unbelievably happy I am with the content I have created so far in 2023, I'm running low on fuel, if I'm being honest. And it's barely February, guys. (laughs) Working full time, creating full time and being present for my friends, family and my dear nerdy ghoul community is just not sustainable for me right now. I don't really have an answer for you on what this means, but I want to thank you for giving me the freedom and space to work through things. You all have made it so perfectly clear that I don't need to apologize for what I do or do not continue to do as a creator. And I think I'm just barely starting to realize just how much you guys really have got my back. Cause just like I got you, you guys have got me. And if there's anything I'm sorry about, it's not realizing or appreciating that sooner. So beginning next month, I'm moving the podcast to a monthly format. And I think it's the first time as a creator that I feel really excited and confident that this is best for me and you, my community. You are all such absolute angels for being so loyal to this podcast because I know and I'm sure you can feel when my heart is not in it and the truth is I have been too tired and overwhelmed to have my heart in it the last couple of months and still I'm so excited about this episode but ideally I still don't feel like I've had enough time to give it all my Mandy Spooks magic and prepare for it the way I truly want to, you know? But with that being said, I feel like this is an opportunity to have fun and experiment with different things that I normally wouldn't have because I always put these constraints on myself of like setting expectations of what you can expect from me and when and sticking to that. And that adds a lot of pressure on my end, especially when I'm exhausted from a day of work or I just got back from travel and had to work again. And now I have to produce something like it's just not mentally healthy or sustainable for me. So there are so many videos that I want to do for YouTube that would still make great podcast content, I feel like. I never thought that you all were going to actually like my YouTube videos that are more about just me sitting down and sharing things with you guys. So I feel like this is a sign that I should just start giving you all the option to choose where you want to hear certain content from me instead of feeling like I have to perfectly curate every single thing and put unnecessary pressure on myself. And this is not me promising that I'll do that this week or a month from now, but I will say that I'm just now finally starting to realize that this is a space for me to have fun with my best school friends. And the entire reason I wake up and work every morning is so that I don't have to put this pressure on myself to create within any terms when it comes to my magical world with my nerdy ghouls. And I do want to say that my ghoul Lalik gave me kudos for creating a different experience on all platforms versus using the same content everywhere. And I appreciate that so much because you guys have no idea how much work goes into creating that experience. So don't worry, I'm always going to create content for specific platforms and curate beautiful things for the platform they're meant for. But I think this just means there's an opportunity to also create like recreate different versions of like YouTube content for the podcast, if that makes sense. I know a lot of people create a podcast for 
the podcast and for YouTube, which I understand why they do that. But I feel like there's an opportunity for me to do something similar, but in my own way, if that makes sense. I don't know. I'm just totally going on a whim right now and sharing with you guys where my headspace is at because I don't normally share this process with you guys until it's like ready and I have a perfect plan. But I don't know. Things need to change around here, you know, like you guys have proven that I can trust you and that you're here for the long haul. And I just feel so genuinely hashtag blessed for it is the best way I can describe it, honestly. So to recap, starting March 1st, we will have one monthly show on the first of every month. And while we're being honest about the pressures of content creation, I know I have said we would finish um, the Vampire Diaries on the March 1st episode, but I have not been able to start the last season. So at this point, I'm not really sure when or how to cover it. I think everyone who was watching it has already finished like more than a month ago. Um, so I might just ask you guys on Discord how you want me to proceed. Maybe um, maybe I can do like a live chat on the Discord or a bonus episode or some kind of thing to just share with you guys my final thoughts on the series once I do finish it. But after TBD, I think Bloody Benchworthy will be temporarily discontinued. I say temporarily because I don't know if or when I will want to bring it back. But at this moment, I don't want to continue to overcommit on things that I can't deliver to you guys because, like I said, I need to start prioritizing the people in my life as well. But I appreciate you goals for being such troopers and trying this crazy idea with me. I never thought that any of you would actually watch an entire like eight season series with me. So that was a wild ride and I enjoyed it so much. But this has dragged on long enough. I just want to say thank you again for giving me a space to be vulnerable with you all and just seriously giving me a place to continue to grow and transform through my content creator journey and my self-care journey. So moving on, before we get into the Corpse Bride, I thought we could share a cup of brew and talk about how we're keeping the spook alive. Okay, I don't even know what has gotten into me right now because we are legit expecting snow tomorrow. Actually, I think it already started snowing, if I'm being honest. But today I'm having an iced tea, plain and simple. Sometimes you just need something on the refreshing side, you know? So today's Keeping the Spook Alive is going to be a little different because it starts off more on the romantic side, but I promise there's a point to it. So you all had asked about my Valentine's plans, which was so sweet. Uh, Rudy did not tell me anything except that I could dress Mandy Spook's Insta-worthy, which honestly left me very nervous because like, would it be cold? Would it be indoors, outdoors? Would I need to be comfortable? Is there going to be a lot of walking involved? I don't know. A ghoul had questions, okay? But he just said, don't worry. It's not going to be an all-day thing. Just get dolled up Mandy Spook style and it'll be fine. So we were driving for about an hour and finally he was like, we're here. And there were these big letters that spelled out love. And if you already saw on Instagram, I'm sorry to repeat myself, but these big letters were actually an area where people can put locks to commemorate their love in Loveland, Colorado. I was going to say California. Sorry. So you get to pick what color lock you want. And then they have this tool that you can use to engrave the lock, which Rudy is such a show off because he did an actual heart on it, which came out so nice. Like even when I'm hand drawing with like a pencil or pen, my hearts do not come out that nice. It's not fair how crafty he is sometimes. But anyway, I still feel awkward saying this because I don't know 
the proper way to say it and it sounds awkward but I think the way you say it is we locked our love <laughs> meaning we placed our lock at this location but there was actually a sweethearts festival happening in their downtown area so we went to that and that's where I guess keeping the spook alive comes into play so for those of you who haven't seen the photos I was wearing a casual black dress with like pastel stripes on it a jean jacket purple heart sunglasses with like little bats on them and a crossbody heart shaped uh, bag with a jack-o'-lantern face on it but it's a heart shape so I know it sounds super cute right <laughs> well for the first time in my Mandy Spooks journey I was I guess what you would call bullied <laughs> we were walking by this group of teenagers and they started mocking me saying they liked my costume and before you freak out don't worry I'm totally fine uh, Rudy had initially turned to look at them because he was confused and I was like you shouldn't have looked at them and he was like I wanted to see who they were talking to and I was like it's me hi I'm the problem it's me <laughs> just kidding <laughs> But I was like, they're making fun of my outfit. That's why they're calling it a costume. And he got so upset. And I was like, it's okay. It's not worth it. Like, honestly, you guys, as I mentioned earlier, it's not easy to keep up the lifestyle I have. But this moment was just like the moment I needed to have a big screaming sign, like keep going. And what I mean by that is like 15 year old Mandy in high school would have crumbled at a moment like this and probably cried if I'm being honest and not wanted to wear anything spooky for like a few months until I got over it. But I told Rudy, this is the price I pay for being Mandy Spooks and I will do it over and over again if it means we get the smallest bit closer to norm normalizing wearing bats on a random February day. And to be honest, I'm more angry at myself for not turning around and proudly saying thank you and like just sticking it to them, you know, and owning it as a compliment um, is what I should have done. But I guess I was just shocked and didn't know what to do other than not give them the satisfaction of showing they could get under my skin. And I think for Rudy, it was the first time he'd ever actually understood, like really grasped why I say I do this to fight the stigma our community gets. And to be honest, I thought twice about sharing this with you ghouls because I don't want any of you to hear it and think, man, if Mandy Spooks of all people is experiencing this, like what will they say to me if I continue to wear my spooky bag? But I hope that if something it inspires you instead to own who you are and just brush it off because every time one of us steps out as our true selves, it makes it one step easier for future spooky ghouls to grow up in a world where they don't have to defend their quotation costume. So what I'm saying is wear the spooky bag, wear the horror shirts, wear the goth makeup, do it all my magical ghouls because the way people react is just a projection of their own insecurities. Okur. OK, I don't know why I did that for the first time ever. It just came out. <laughs> and so I I don't know. I have just felt disconnected from the community with how chaotic life has been. And so I also just wanted to check in and see how you all are keeping the spook alive. Like, to be honest, I have tried implementing this format of co-host submissions on YouTube. But for some reason, the the community there is growing in such a great positive way that I never thought I could actually like change the energy on the channel too but for some reason this like submission process doesn't hit the same with the video format for some reason I'm still trying to work through it I don't know there's just something different about me like sitting here alone in the living room just me the mic and my ghouls so I don't know maybe this is something we can explore more too for future episodes where we just have like a co-host-led discussion and not make it so much about producing or research or anything and just like catch up you know because 
I love talking to you goals and I wish that I had more time to do it like on a one-on-one basis but that was why I created this show and I don't know I sometimes I just like forget all of the reasons why I love you guys (laughs) so anyway I need a new a cute new name if we do do that just saying I'm, I'm digressing so let's get back into how you all are keeping the spook alive so Ghost Eat Easy said, trying to keep up with all the thrills and chills movies at AMC, LOL, end quote. Oh my gosh, you guys, I cannot tell you how much I miss living near an AMC. (laughs) We now live near a Harkins, which has the best popcorn by far. However, I really miss my AMC subscription. Just saying. Happy Haunts Library said, my horror booktube channel keeps the vibes going all year and I watched my Bloody Valentine 82 version, end quote. You guys, I don't know how in the world I just barely realized that Happy Haunts Library has a YouTube channel, but I I took a quick gander over there and I'm so excited. She is creating like... I don't know, like book bookish content that my heart needs with like a splash of like occasional other spooky things in there. It is such a vibe. I'm so excited to binge her channel at some point. Uh, Wild Rose 01 said, been reading a lot of dark romance books, end quote. Okay, ghoul, but like which ones? Share the titles. Give us the tea. <laughs> Lalik said, I lived my best emo slash alt life yesterday at the Paramore concert, end quote. Okay, can I just say how jealous I am? You guys, of course, I mean, we knew the Super Bowl was happening when we moved, but still, like, now that it was happening, it was like, oh, of course, all the cool stuff's happening while we're not there in Phoenix. I had so much FOMO because I saw my coworkers doing all the cool stuff for the Super Bowl, like, activities and festivities they had in town, and all of the live music that was available was so good. I wish I had been there. I would have totally been watching Paramore with you, ghoul. Okay, and then Bernadette Navarro said, my daughter moved out and I made myself a spooky space, end quote. Okay, I'm sure this is like a very bittersweet feeling for you, but I'm also very excited for you to have your own spooky space because nothing beats like curating your home just to the aesthetic you want. Uh, Yana Loves Mitchie said, starting a Halloween budget, I put $5 away on a gift card to Target slash Marshalls, Ross, etc., end quote. Okay, my little Yanis over here. I love this idea and I feel like everyone is probably going to implement this now. I think I'm going to implement it like every paycheck just set aside $20 so that the time spooky season and holiday madness rolls around, I'm ready for anything. (laughs) Okay, and then Halloween is my happy place said attempted making bleeding candles, not ones that look like bleeding lit, but look like it before. Still washing, watching, sorry, she did not say washing. That was my Mexican coming out when I was retyping it. Still watching the originals, not as watchable as TVD, but nice to see what happened in New Orleans with their family. Listening to the podcast, The Evolution of Horror, end quote. Poppy, you are just the embodiment of keeping the spook alive. Like, you never disappoint. You are always doing something very Halloween-y or keeping the spook alive, you know? I am actually not sure that I completely understand what you mean by like the bleeding candles before they're lit. I think I know, but I'm not positive. But I know you're probably going to send us a pic on the Discord server because you're so awesome like that. And I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying the originals, but surprised to hear that you're not enjoying it as much as TVD because I have heard the opposite from a lot of people. So I will love or I would love to hear your thoughts once you do finish it 
Okay, and then Ghoul with the Curl said, going to a haunt for Valentine's Day in L.A., end quote. Ooh, I wonder, is this a 13th floor haunt? Because the 13th floor here in Denver was doing a love-themed one for Valentine's Day. And to be honest, excuse me, I really wanted to go because it looked fun. However, my experience for Halloween was that I felt like it was a little overpriced for how understaffed the actual haunt was. Like they didn't have a lot of scare actors. So it left me kind of feeling like I wasn't sure if I wanted to go again for Valentine's, if that makes sense. I would love to hear your review of it. And that is about everything. If you guys want to keep up with how we're keeping the spook alive every day, you can follow me on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok at Mandy Spooks. All right, so it's been a hunt minute since we've had a good old learning sesh before getting into fangooling, and I thought The Corpse Bride definitely lent itself because it turns out that The Corpse Bride is based on an old Jewish folktale. So admittedly, I couldn't find what I would call a super credible source, so I'm definitely piecing together my own understanding of the folktale, but of course, that's the thing about folktales. They get passed on through so many generations, they usually get weaved into their own new story. But the gist of it is... There are different versions of this. Um, Some say the movie is based on a Jewish folktale called The Finger, and some say it is based on The Demon in the Tree. Both stories are in the book Lilith's Cave by Howard Schwartz, if anyone is interested in hunting them down. And this is almost on the verge of those true crime stories that are hard for me to share, but it's all in the name of learning where those where these pop culture stories and references come from. So it is said that anti-Semites used to attack and brutally murder Jewish brides before their weddings to keep them from continuing the lineage of their Jewish blood. And similar to the story we know, it is said a young man was walking in the woods one day and saw a finger he mistook for a branch and recited his vows three times. You know, three for folks take dramatic effect. (laughs) Anyway, he then placed the ringer on the branch, a.k.a. the finger. And well, the corpse corpse bride reanimated so the young man and his bride-to-be went to the rabbi to see if the marriage was real and the rabbi determined that the dead could not marry the living so the corpse bride started to cry and worried no one would remember her once she was officially gone the bride was so moved she the living bride of course the living bride-to-be sorry was so moved she reassured her that they'd mourn her and remember her and gave her a proper burial and i believe in some of the stories i read that it was also common for other brides to like keep the memory of the fallen brides alive since the fallen brides obviously didn't have any children to follow their lineage but if I'm being honest that part is a little confusing to me but there you have it the corpse bride is actually based on a really depressing Jewish folks tale and I feel like that just makes the movie more sad to be honest but moving on to much more uplifting thoughts let's get into what we love and don't love so much about Tim Burton's The Corpse Bride. So The Corpse Bride was released on September 16th, 2005. Guys, I cannot believe that's how long it's been since this movie came out. It's going to be, it's what, 20th anniversary? Wait, am I doing that right? 2005 to 2015 to 2023. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't know why I felt like this came out when I was in college, but I was still in high school. Wow. Okay, so the movie was directed by Tim Burton and Mike Johnson, who also worked in the art department for Nightmare Before Christmas. The three main characters are voiced by, of course, Johnny Depp as Victor, 
And then Elena Bonham Carter, who is from Harry Potter, uh, played the Corpse Bride, a.k.a. Emily. And Emily Watson played Victoria Everglot. And if I'm being honest, I actually don't really know who Emily Watson is or what she's in. Like, I didn't recognize anything on her IMDb. So please don't come for me if, if I should know who she is. Uh, the movie has a Rotten Tomatoes audience rating of 77%. And the summary, according to IMDb, reads, When a shy groom practices his wedding vows in the inadvertent presence of a deceased young woman, she rises from the grave, assuming he has married her. End quote. So some interesting facts about the movie. The movie is stop motion like Nightmare Before Christmas, but it was the first stop motion movie to be made digitally, which means it wasn't created on film, but a digital still camera instead, which is pretty cool that it's like the first movie ever filmed on a digital still camera. The puppets were 25 to 28 centimeters, which is about 9.8 to 11 inches. And some of the stages were so large that the animators could actually fit through the set doors with minimal crouching. And this makes me want to go back and watch the movie again because I don't recall like the sets looking like so big compared to the dolls. So I would love to like watch it now and kind of like compare that if that makes sense. Uh, composer Danny Elfman originally wrote the part of Bone Jangles looking for another musician to sing it, but after failing to find a voice that fit, director Tim Burton asked Elfman if he would sing it. The result was so brutal on his vocal cords that Elfman was left hoarse whenever he had to voice the character. Okay, this is kind of funny because I believe Danny Elfman also didn't want anyone else to play Jack except himself with Nightmare Before Christmas, so... I don't know. I think it's kind of funny just how like Danny always ends up working on his work because like no one can compare. He's a legend, honestly. Uh, the movie had a 55 week shoot and included 109,440 individually animated frames set up and filmed. You guys, I know you all understand how stop motion works, but let me reiterate like how miserable this must have been to set up because I had a college project to create like a stop motion short film and it was absolutely like miserable, like setting up every shot. So I cannot imagine what 109,000 individual frames feels like. Like that's insane to me. And the puppets were made from stainless steel armatures covered with silicone skin. Interesting. Okay. And last quick little fun fact. This was actually Johnny Depp's first time voice acting in a theatrical film, which was surprising to me because it seems like he would have done something before then. All right. So my history with this movie is I am not even going to lie to you ghouls. I remember seeing this movie back when it first came out and crying so hard. But as far as what the movie was actually about, I didn't really remember anything about it. However, I knew that this was a huge nerdy goal favorite. And since I like I think since like last fall, I have been so excited to cover it for Valentine's Day. And if I'm being super honest, I don't feel like the movie was quite what I was expecting. I remember this movie getting me in the feels because of how it was about like true love. But in my honest opinion, I think the movie lacked true love across the board, like real true love. There were definitely elements about the movie I loved and enjoyed, but I think I was really surprised to discover that I didn't really align with the majority of you guys and how you feel about this film. 
film. Sorry. It's like getting harder and harder to talk with braces. I feel like the longer I'm going through my treatment, it should be getting easier, but whatever. Moving on. Um, I almost considered not doing this episode because you all know me and I don't like bashing something, but the thing is this movie wasn't bad and I didn't hate it. I think it just left me wanting more from it storytelling wise. To be fair though, I also feel like I need to watch it a few more times to truly appreciate like all the details because there were so many magical things about it. But rather than starting on a positive note and then ending on a not so bright note, I thought I'd share why I didn't like the movie first. And Hello Sparkles actually really hit the nail on the head for me. She said, I don't like that Emily just decided that Victor was her man, even though he tried to tell her multiple times. No, he was too nice and went along with it. It was a sweet movie overall, but that always bugged me, end quote. Yes. So to be honest, this is legit how I felt like I didn't feel like Victor really loved either of the women. He was like just so easily influenced to like Victoria at first and then easily just adapted to Emily as soon as Victoria was married off. It just felt like nobody actually had true love for anyone. And if I'm totally missing something like please share on the Discord server because I know how badly you all love this movie and I want to see it. And it's like 100 percent magic. But I just feel like there was there just wasn't a true love component, no matter like how beautiful the words were, if that makes sense. The only other negative feedback you all submitted was pretty short. Wild Rose 01 said, would love to see him with Emily. He got to know her more and spend time with her, end quote. I, okay, this is why I'm confused because I feel like across the board, a lot of you felt that Emily was this like amazing character and you fell in love with her and like when you find out her story at the end of the movie or not find out her story at the end, but just like when it comes full circle at the end, you can appreciate her a little more and like feel a lot of empathy for her. But as the movie is happening, I didn't feel that way about her. And it makes me sad because I feel like maybe I'm being too critical or judgmental, but like I just didn't feel the way that everyone else felt about Emily. Uh, Lalik said, I wish Emily got the payback she deserved, but Lord, what's his face? <laughs> it's funny to me that she called him that, but Lord, what's his face had his punishment served justifiably End quote. Yes. See, and I do admit that Emily deserves payback and like what happened to her was horrible, especially after finding out like what the story is based on and why brides were killed at that time. But I don't know. Again, I just felt like outside of like her deserving better. I wasn't like in love with her character. And then Ghoul with the Curl said, I wish they gave a glimpse of Emily living her best dead life, LOL, end quote. Uh, yeah, see, and I can agree with that too, but I feel like the ending was just so beautiful. Like it kind of gave it its, it's like wonderful, magical ending and like left the rest to interpretation, which I think could have ruined the magic of that moment if they continued it further. But like I said, despite my thoughts on the movie, there was still a lot to fangool over. Emilyn14 said, I love that it's set in the Victorian era. It has the classic Tim Burton feel and the score just brings the story together, end quote. Okay, so 100% agree with all of this. I cannot tell you guys how many of you mentioned the music every opportunity you could, which was funny to me because like, 
When I tell you guys you are all 1000% on the same page, like outside of Hello Sparkles and me, you guys all agreed on all of the things. It was crazy because I've never seen this happen before, especially what just drives me crazy is just like, why am I not feeling the same way that you guys felt? So, yes, you guys love the music. It's not going to be the first time that we hear this in the co-host submissions, but I do want to add, even with the music... I feel so bad because I feel like you guys are all going to be like, what is wrong with you, Mandy? Like, you clearly did not watch the same movie. But even with the music, I felt like it felt, I mean, Danny Elfman's music usually sounds like relatively in the same like vibe, I guess, if that makes sense. But with this one, I don't know how to explain it. It felt like a lot closer to Edward Scissorhands. And yes, very magical and whimsical. I loved that there was like a lot of variety within the music, but I also don't feel like the music just kept sticking out to me, if that makes sense. Especially because if I'm being honest, the opening scene for me was like really draggy. I was like, okay, just like start the movie already. If I'm being like, I don't know, transparent. Sorry, I don't want to keep saying the same thing, like being honest, but just genuinely, I... I didn't enjoy the opening sequence, and I think that kind of set the, the tone for the rest of the movie for me regarding the music. Um, Ghosted Easy said, spooky vibes, Tim Burton, and that skeleton scene where they are singing is so fun, end quote. Yes. Okay, so I will admit that some of the scenes and the music numbers were really fun. This one in particular... I'm so glad that I actually found this information because as soon as I saw it, I was like, wait, is that supposed to be based on the skeleton dance? And lo and behold, it is. Mr. Bone Jangles and his skeleton band are partly inspired by the cartoon The Skeleton Dance, but are also heavily influenced by Cap Calloway and his band as they appeared in the rotos in rotoscope form in several Betty Boob cartoons. And then the piano player wears shades like Ray Charles and his movements are based on Charles Charles's mannerisms. And the character Mr. Bone Jangles is based on the famous dancer Bill Robinson, who was called Mr. Bojangles. So that scene, I think, is probably one of the best scenes in the movie for me as well. And I really love that it's like an homage to the skeleton dance as well. Um, Happy Haunts Library said it discusses death in a very healthy way, end quote. I love this this commentary and I think that it's so important and you're absolutely right. I think especially hearing the history of like what the story is based on also leaves like such a great educational opportunity for kids like at the right time. So I 100% agree on this. Wild Rose 01 said because it was an amazing plot and the amazing vow quote, end quote. Okay, yes. Like I said, despite my thoughts on like the actual love story, I won't negate that the words of this movie were beautiful. Like I'm actually going to look up the Corpse Bride vow right now because I want to read it to you guys again because it's so beautiful. So it's, with this hand, I will lift your sorrows. Your cup will never empty for I will be your wine. With this candle, I will light your way in darkness. Oh, it's so beautiful. You guys, if I had seen this movie before our wedding, I would have probably used these vows, but maybe not because I didn't want to cry. <laughs> but they are very beautiful and like I said, I think what bothers me the most is that I don't believe that kind of love is between any of the characters. 
Okay, and then Lalik said, I love the music in this, believe it or not, LOL, aside from the predictable storyline, end quote. Okay, so Lalik usually tends to be on, like, the heavier music, like, I guess, I, I, I might be wrong, but I think she likes, like, more, like, rock music, if that makes sense, on the heavier side of rock. Um, so I am surprised to hear that she likes this, especially because, like I said, everyone agreed on the music on this, and I don't know what I'm missing. I'm genuinely feeling like maybe I just need to watch the movie again. Maybe it was one of those days where I was just like, like I've mentioned, too tired and just couldn't appreciate it in its full form. And then similarly, Bernadette Navarro also said, I love the music and the aesthetic of it. And then Linda Audrey said the animation and colors, end quote. Okay, so I'm really surprised nobody brought this up, but this movie had so many Beetlejuice vibes. Like all Tim Burton films have similar vibes, but I really felt like I saw so many things in this movie that felt like an animated version of Beetlejuice. Like from the scene where they're all at the long dinner table, it reminded me of the same dinner table scene in Beetlejuice. One of the characters was like a head with like a tiny little ponytail and it reminded me of that. There was like a lot of green... I don't know. I just really love that. Like it felt really fun for that reason. And then full disclosure, I personally reached out to Sabrina about her thoughts on the movie because I know it is like one of her top favorite movies. She always mentions it. And I wanted to get her take on like why she loves the movie, because this is basically like an episode dedicated to her, to be honest. I remember when we were doing um, the Ghoulmates podcast, I knew that Poppy loved Crimson Peak so much. So I created the Crimson Peak episode specifically for her. I don't remember if I ever said that. So Poppy, in case you didn't know, that episode was dedicated to you. So this one's for Sabrina. And Sabrina said, what I love about the movie is how it shows such beauty in dark and sad things. The irony of the story, the music and the ending. I love that the movie is so gloomy, gothic and spooky. It's exactly the kind of place I'd love to live. I love the irony of how the dead and the land of the dead are so lively and exciting versus how dreary those that are still alive are. Emily brings such whimsical romantic vibes to Victor's life and is more alive of a person than those actually alive. The Remains of the Day is my favorite song, especially in the scene where the skeletons make music out of each other's bones. I also love that at the end of Emily, at the end, Emily finds her own peace. She protects Victor and selflessly encourages his love for Victoria. And then her soul is able to float away in a million beautiful butterflies now that she can finally rest in peace. Ugh, crying emoji gets me every time, end quote. So when you hear this, it's kind of hard to argue that it's not a good movie or that it's not a love story. And I love Sabrina for this because she sees like the beautiful in everything, I feel. And I think it's so cool that she caught on to like the irony of the living and the dead, because that's definitely something that I didn't even catch on to, which is really cool. And then, of course, I mentioned this before, but like I didn't catch on to like the whimsical romantic vibes from Emily. It just felt very like weird and forced, in my opinion. And I do love that she did mention the butterfly scene because I was really surprised that a lot of a lot of you didn't mention this scene in particular. Um, but yes, that scene was really beautiful. And like, despite my feelings throughout the entire movie, I still did get a little choked up at that part. And then Halloween is my happy place said, I love the character of Victor and the music, a classic film for me. Happy to rewatch and now want to end quote. 
Uh, I hope that you watched it before the episode coming out since you knew it was coming so you could really enjoy it. And then Samantha ESP said, beside the aesthetic, cute music, end quote. You guys in the music. It's crazy. Okay. And then Ghoul with the Curl said, I love it because it's about a dead girl still looking for love. She becomes a hero all on her own. End quote. Did I not tell you guys at the beginning of, of this episode that Ghoul with the Curl is a hopeless romantic like me? Uh, yes. But I, I love that. I love that she does become the hero all on her own. I, I don't know. I don't want to keep saying the same things over and over again, but I do respect that opinion. Uh, all right, so we have one more segment, but before we move on, it's time for It's Freaking Bats. All right, so how many freaking bats did Nerdy Ghouls give The Corpse Bride? You all gave this movie 4.5 freaking bats. And this was honestly unanimous. Like, usually you all will vote really high or low and then it like ends up in the middle. But this one across the board was four or five bats. So that was mind blowing to me. For me, oh man, I think this is going to be the first time I like really disagree with you guys. I would give this movie 3.5 bats. I think it's absolutely beautiful, whimsical and fun. But I felt the pacing was kind of funky, especially like I mentioned at the beginning. And then for me, the storytelling and missing true love element really keeps it from being absolutely magical. I also don't want to ruin this movie for you goals, but I guess it felt like it reminded me of a lot of different things, but didn't really feel unique to me. I mentioned it had Beetlejuice vibes and the stop motion and characters also reminded me of like an alternate universe of Nightmare Before Christmas and... The music was more on the Edward Scissorhands side, which I mentioned. And I don't know, it just felt very like Tim Burton hodgepodge to me versus standing on its own as a Tim Burton film. Because like when you think of Beetlejuice, like you think of Beetlejuice, you don't think like, oh, it reminds me of Nightmare Before Christmas and um, I don't know, Batman, for example. And when you think of Nightmare Before Christmas, you don't think like, oh, it reminds me of Coraline and Beetlejuice. You know what I mean? So for me, this movie just really reminded me of like a lot of like Tim Burton elements coming together versus like some of Tim Burton's best work, if that makes sense. And but I don't know. That's just my opinion. And I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on the Discord server because I genuinely want to know what I'm missing from this film because I care about what you guys care about and maybe there's something that I just totally missed. All right. So something Rudy and I used to do on the Goalmates podcast was talk about how we'd cast movies and I thought it would be fun to do with this movie. So honestly, you guys are so hip. I had to look some of these up before like recording this because I had no idea who some of the like actors you guys mentioned were. So for Victor's casting, of course, Ghost DDZ and Bernadette Navarro said Johnny Depp. Um, and then Happy Haunts Library said Nicholas Holt. I did not know who this was. So Nicholas Holt is the main actor in Warm Bodies, which I could see as a good fit. He doesn't seem, for a lack of better words, like lanky enough for me to play this role. Uh, Lalik said either Bill Skarsgård or Percy Hines White. Um, and all of you know who Bill Skarsgård is, I'm sure. But Percy Hines White. I had to look this up and you guys, she got this one spot on. So Percy is the guy who plays the one of the love interests in Wednesday, which is the guy that's the artist that she thinks is the 
the monster. Sorry, I can't remember what what the character's called right now. But I think he'd be such a great Victor, honestly. Like, Lelik really got that one right. He has, like, the exact same face structure. He's tall. He has, like, the long hair already. I don't know. I Now I want them to make it because he would be so good in the role. And then too fond of books. And as Zoon said, the kid from Dune, which is Timothy um, Camel. I think it's Camp Camp. Chalamet is how you pronounce it or Chalamet. Sorry, I don't know how to say his name. Um, I had not seen him. I had to look him up as well. I could see why you all could see him in that role as well. But I think I'm just going to be like very partial to Percy, honestly. And then Yana Loves Michi said Dev Patel. I looked him up and I didn't really recognize anything he was in other than Dog Millionaire. But I will say that based on like the images I saw, he does fit the like physical attributes really well. And I know in the past, um, Johnny Depp hasn't always been the most inclusive when it comes to like casting and stuff. So I think it would be a really great fit. I think he's on the older side though, to be honest, but like physical attributes wise, I think he would have made a great fit, especially as we're moving into this era of like casting people of color for these spooky roles as well. I think that would have been such a great idea. For the role of Emily, the corpse bride, <laughs> Ghosted Easy said Kat Dennings. And that one's a great response. I love that one. Uh, Happy Haunts Library said the woman who played Alison Burden's uh, Alice in Wonderland remake. I actually never saw that movie, which I always say I'm going to watch it. But I don't know why I've like never been drawn to Alice in Wonderland for some reason. And I really should watch it. But anyway, I never saw it. So I don't really know. But based on like the picture I saw, she does seem like she could play a good one. Lalik said, if Kristen Ritter was 20 years younger, oh my God, she would make a perfect Emily, which I just realized I did not look this one up. So let me see. Kristen Ritter. Oh, she's the girl that is, oh my God, you're so right. As I'm seeing this, I'm like, you're right. She'd be a great one. Kristen Ritter is the girl who plays um, Jessica Jones from Marvel or Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. She would be such a good one. Oh my gosh. Sorry. I'm like fangling over here with you. Great call. Um, Lelik also said Eliza Dushku in her Buffy days probably would have worked too. Yeah, I could see that. But man, Kristen Ritter would have been perfect. That's such a good one. Okay. And then Too Fond of Books said Jenna Ortega, which, yeah, I could see that. I think, I don't know, to be honest. Like, I could see why because she does like the spooky roles so well. But, I think the thing with the corpse bride is like the big eyes. And I don't know if Jenna Ortega has like the big eyes for that role, you know? And then Bernadette Navarro said Anne Hathaway. Okay, I can kind of see Anne Hathaway, but I actually think she would play a much better Victoria because of just like how like proper and composed she can be, like very Princess Diaries-esque. I don't know. And then Yana Loves Mitchie said Lara Harrier, which is Peter Parker's girlfriend. Um, and I think that Lara Harrier, Ghoul with the Curl, also mentioned this one. And so did um, Essie Zoon. I believe there's been like this big like fan, like dream fan casting and Lara Harrier. I hope I'm saying her name right. Lara Harrier, maybe. Um, let's call her Lara. Lara has been like voted like the top choice for the Corpse Bride. And I can totally see why, because like I mentioned with Jenna Ortega, she definitely has. Lara actually has like the like face structure and the big eyes that I was mentioning so I think she'd play a good one and then um creepy Chell said Anya Taylor Joy 
But a lot of you, well, not a lot of you. Let's see. Yana loves Michi, Go with the curl. Yeah. Yana and Go with the curl actually said and Anya Taylor-Joy for Victoria. And I think I would see her more in that role as well. You know who else Anya would be like such a good live action version of? I feel like she'd play such a good Anna from Frozen for some reason. <laughs> anyway, um, and then... I Sorry, I can't remember if I said this, but my alternate choice for... Um, Emily would also be Chlorine Mortez. I was really surprised nobody mentioned her. Okay, and then for Victoria, uh, Happy Haunts Library said Zendaya. Oh my God, can you imagine if we had um, Lara as Emily and then we had Zendaya for Victoria? It would be like the Peter Parker girlfriend match off. And then we could get um, Tom Holland to play Victor. <laughs> oh my God, somebody make like a, um, like one of those like, Peter Pan, Peter Pan, oh my God. Peter Parker edits on YouTube where it's like clips from um, Spider-Man, but it's like re-edited to be the Corpse Bride story. Oh my God, sorry. This is what happens when I fangirl, guys. I, I'm out of control. Okay, anyway, uh, Lalik also said Mackenzie Joy might just be able to play it off. Oh, okay. I'm quickly realizing that I did not look up um, Lalik's... Um, recommendations and I actually have a typo because her name is Mackenzie Foy not Mackenzie Joy oh is she Megan I might be way off on this one Mackenzie Foy okay she is not Megan but she looks like Megan uh she was in the Nutcracker and it looks like she plays Renee's me from um Breaking Dawn okay I could kind of see that I haven't seen her like grown up so I would need to see her some more but dang Lalik is like on point with her like really like nailing down like the facial structure when she's thinking of characters that look like the animated versions and then Bernadette Navarro said Angelina Jolie okay so Bernadette had mentioned Anne Hathaway as Emily and Angelina Jolie as Victoria I think she might have had her recommendations switched for the characters because I think I could see a young Angelina Jolie being the corpse bride. Like, that would be so cool. And like I said, I could see um, Anne Hathaway being Victoria. So if that was what you meant, Bernadette, I, I agree 100%. Those are like solid choices for like um, previous generation actresses because I think they'd probably go like the way younger route if they cast it today. Uh, and then Yana Loves Mitchy and Go With The Curl said Anna Taylor-Joy, which I had already mentioned. And then Creepy Chels said Emma Watson, which I could also see, to be honest. I think that would be a good one, too. So I don't know. These are all great options. I I unfortunately could not find anything confirming there is going to be a live action. But I definitely think that this movie would be such a cool movie to see in live action. Like, especially the scene where Emily is coming back to life. Like, oh, it was so cool. So I don't know. It would be really fun to see if they ever do make it. All right, ghouls. I had an absolute magical time being myself with you all today and fangoling and just really feeling all our love and magic. Remember, we will have a new episode on the first of every month. So keep an eye out for that, um, especially for the co-host submissions on Instagram. I think because I've become so active on Mandy Spooks, um, the podcast Instagram has fallen off your algorithms. So just 
try to check frequently or just make sure you stay tuned on my Mandy Spook stories because I've been posting on there when I have posted submissions to the podcast Instagram. So yeah, I can't wait to fangle with you with you ghouls. I have no idea what the March episode is going to be yet, but I'm really excited and I am just, I don't know, feeling all the love and just feeling really appreciative of all of your support through this journey. And I can't wait to see like what the next phase of Mandy Spooks looks like. Until next time, sending you ghouls and kisses. Bye. Ha 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 ha.